Welcome to Economic Development Secrets, where we interview economic developers from across the country, from rural areas to metros, from small AD shops to large regional organizations. We'll hear firsthand accounts from economic developers in the trenches, from what works to what doesn't work, how to build local support, and how to get creative in order to push deals across the finish line. You'll hear everyone's economic development secrets. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this month's Economic Development Secrets podcast. This week, we are joined by Jim Gandy, president of the Frisco Economic Development Corporation. As you'll hear today, Frisco has grown very rapidly, yet according to their comprehensive plan, their population build-out will more than double what it is today. Without further ado, let's dive right into Jim's Economic Development Secrets. Jim, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you doing? We're just doing great. Nicole, thank you very much uh, for the invitation to, to be with you on this little uh, podcast. We're happy to be here. Great. We're so excited to have you. Um, could you just start by telling us a little bit about yourself? Sure. I'd be glad to. Um, I, I grew up uh, in Ganado, Texas, and basically went on to graduate from uh, Texas A&M University in Kingsville with a Bachelor of Business Administration. Um, that's down in the sort of in the valley uh, near Corpus Christi. And basically after graduation, I was able to land an opportunity to begin working uh, in Edna, Texas with the Jackson County Chamber of Commerce. And basically that began my economic development uh, organizational management career. How neat, how neat. Um, how long have you been in your current community? Uh, I've worked in four cities in my in my career in economic development, and uh, that goes back about 40 years ago, actually. Okay. Um, in fact, this year is my 20th year in the city of Frisco, and I previously also worked in uh, the city of San Marcos and also in the city of Seguin, down near San Antonio. And uh, so I'm very proud to have um, the honor and pleasure to be working in the city of Frisco for the last 20 years. and. If everything goes well, I, I, I believe I can finish my career right here. That sounds so great. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about Frisco? I sure can. I'd be happy to. Uh, amazingly, when I moved here, uh, Frisco was probably around maybe 16,000 people. Uh, I began work as the executive director of the Frisco Economic Development Corporation in January of 1996. And uh, really, it was just a farm town. Uh, we're located directly about 25 miles north of downtown Dallas. And when you drove to Frisco from downtown Dallas, you thought you were driving all the way to Oklahoma. Uh, there just wasn't much here, and it was out in the middle of nowhere. But as I looked at the area and looking south, you knew it was a matter of time and that the Frisco would develop out because it's in the northern growth quarter of the Dallas market um, right on the interstate, uh, excuse me, not highway, state highway 121 and also the Dallas North Tollway goes right through the um, middle of Frisco as it continues north and south through our city. And amazingly, uh, we have been a very rapidly growing city, and today our population has blossomed to about 155,000 people, uh, which means our 71 square miles of our land area of our city is approaching 60% build-out. 
but according to our comprehensive plan, our population at build out in the next 20 years should approach somewhere between 350 to 375,000 people. Wow, that's incredible. So it's fair to say, interesting enough, that the majority of the people that are going to live in Frisco are not even here yet. Wow, how incredible. Uh, can you tell us about some of the major employers that you have? Well, I'll be happy to mention a few. Okay. Um, you know, as Frisco has grown over the years, we've been extremely fortunate in a lot of companies moving to Frisco of, of all kinds and all sizes, but maybe some of the more notable ones would include uh, companies like T-Mobile, uh, Oracle, uh, Connor for Health Solutions, uh, Gearbox Software, uh, Dallas Stars, uh, Frisco Rough Riders, which is a baseball, professional baseball team. Uh, we also landed uh, Stonebriar Center Mall, has a big uh, regional retail mall here. And more recently, we landed the corporate headquarters and world training facility of the Dallas Cowboys. Wow, how exciting. Um, and then you have an economic development corporation. Can you tell us a little bit about how that is set up and how you run it? Sure, be glad to. Um, we, uh, the Frisco Economic Development Corporation was established back in 1991, and the voters of Frisco passed a local option uh, a referendum to impose a half-cent sales tax for economic development, and this is right on the heels of the state legislation that was passed in Texas in 1989. So therefore, this corporation uh, is celebrating its 25th year this year. Uh, wow, congratulations. Oh, you bet. Thank you very much. Uh, so we're a Texas nonprofit chartered corporation uh, governed by seven member board of directors that are Frisco residents and appointed by our city council. Uh, they serve uh, staggered uh, two-year terms and the board elects its own officers. We have, a, we have a chairman, a vice chairman, and a secretary treasurer. The board hires the president of the corporation, and of course the president, being myself, hires all the staff members. Okay. We have uh, basically 11 and a half members here on our staff. We do share one person with our community development corporation, which is also funded with a half percent sales tax. Great. Um, are there any other vital organizations that promote economic development in your community? We work, uh, we've got tremendous partners that we work with, and, and I suppose maybe they're not uh, strictly, obviously, related to economic development as, as we are here at the Frisco EDC, but mm -hmm. we work hand-in-hand -hand with the Frisco Chamber of Commerce, uh, along with the Frisco uh, Convention and Visitors Bureau, also, obviously, with the city of Frisco itself, meaning uh, city manager and all the executive team at City Hall. Uh, we're very well connected and work with uh, our Collin College, which is a community college for Collin County. And then we also, of course, have um, the commissioner's court in uh, Denton and Collin that we work with as well. Okay, very neat. Uh, what do you think some of the strengths are of your organization? We're very fortunate to uh, have a lot going on in Frisco, and uh, it means we just have tremendous opportunities, and we stay very busy. So I think we're, we're extremely fortunate to have a very well-educated, experienced, dedicated staff. Um, I think we take a lot of pride in our, our work here at the Economic Development Office. Obviously, we're a, 
uh, service organization, and we take pride in providing prompt, courteous, uh, accurate information to all our clients. Uh, we, fortunately, with the financial budget that we have, we have access to the resources we need to uh, implement, uh, you know, an effective and efficient economic development program that uh, <clears throat> keeps us pretty busy and. We, we certainly have our, uh, our share of, of success, and we're always looking to do better if we can. Of course. That's great. Well, let's shift gears a little bit and talk a little bit about a breakdown of a deal, and if you would, with a couple of these questions in this next section, incorporate um, a win or a project that you've worked on, just as an example. We can work that in. Okay. I'll be happy to. Great. So... Where do you mostly get leads from, and how, going along with that, how would a company reach out to you, to your organization? You know, I think it might vary uh, from one market to the other, but obviously I can just speak uh, from our experience here, which is the Dallas-Fort Worth uh, market. Most of our leads are sourced from commercial real estate uh, firms. Okay. And uh, different real estate brokers will, will reach out to us either, you know, by give us a call or they might send us an email or text in some way, make contact with us. And these come from, uh, the majority of them probably come from your uh, more larger commercial real estate firms like C.B. Richard Ellis, Jones Lang LaSalle, Henry S. Miller, Cushman and Wakefield, Transwestern, uh, just to name a few, are our primary uh, source of leads for us in this market. Okay, great. Um, and then, do you deal mostly with consultants or with the businesses themselves? I believe we deal with both. Uh, it kind of just depends uh, on a case-by-case -case basis and how a business might decide to, to move forward in conducting uh, a site search for expansion uh, or relocation. Mm -hmm. I believe it would be fair to say that the larger companies tend to use uh, consultants while smaller businesses tend to, to do some of this work in-house themselves at least they attempt to do it anyway uh, for as long as they can uh, <clears throat> so we do work with consultants but in this market probably most of the deals we see come to us through a, a commercial real estate firms okay well then can you tell us what that first conversation looks like with a prospective company that would like to move to Frisco We'll be glad to. Uh, generally, when we get calls, obviously, uh, we're basically trying to extract as much information uh, about the project as they would share with us. And obviously, you get to some points where things are confidential and they may have like a, a project code name and obviously won't share with you the, the name of the company or, or its current location and things like that. Right. But through that, through that interview process, we're trying to um, become familiar with what is the project and how is the, what are the goals and objectives of the project so we can do our best to help uh, facilitate the commercial real estate broker or the consultant, whoever is representing the client. And the more informed we are, the better we can help them with their analysis of an opportunity to do business in our community. Okay. Great. And then what does the rest of the process look like? Well, we work with all kinds and all sizes of, of businesses, but um, most of them always get around to asking about economic incentives. 
so we have to, of course, uh, qualify uh, each project, even though we're utilizing the reinvestment of city of Frisco sales tax dollars in our community. We are governed by state law and they're, they're very specific statute finds what projects are eligible for potential economic incentives from a type A corporation in the state of Texas. So some of that process is to qualify a, a project to see if they are eligible for any uh, potential funds. For example, if it were a retail project of some kind, state law only allows us to utilize our funds for reimbursement grants for qualified infrastructure uh, for retail type projects. So that could be a, a, a retail center or it might be a hotel or it could be a big box retailer like Target or Home Depot or someone. And so we go through all this information to try to determine uh, what are the needs of the company and how could we best possibly utilize our resources within our economic development corporation and or uh, the city of Frisco itself to facilitate this project, you know, you know locating and, and happening in Frisco. Great. And I know this usually varies, but how long does this whole process typically take from the very first conversation to possibly offering them incentive and them moving? You know, I would say on a general basis, um, it's highly driven by the responsiveness and the time requirements of the client. But in general, we would answer that question by saying it's it's generally going to be about a 60-day process. Uh, in extreme situations, it could be done less than that. Uh, okay. That might require a special uh, board meeting of our board because uh, our board only meets once a month. So typically, we will introduce a project at what the, a meeting and then get direction from our board in hopes that we can bring back a negotiated, completed performance agreement at the next board meeting for their consideration. But before we get into to that, there are several steps that we go through, and uh, I could mention those. Uh, yeah, that would like. be great. After we source out and screen all these projects to make sure they're qualified, we uh, have them complete an economic impact uh, survey, and this survey is basically extracts information from the project that we can enter into an economic impact analysis model. We use that model to basically determine uh, what would be an appropriate economic incentive offer, you know, to a company based upon what economic value that project would bring in way of new revenue to the city should it happen in our community. We measure that primarily uh, in the form of a, a, a payback period and also a rate of return on the in investment in the form of economic incentives. Um, with this uh, software that we have in-house from Impact Data Source, we're able to utilize that software and run as many different scenarios as we want, as often as we want, on as many projects as we want, uh, because we often have to run several of those before we come down to some specific um, consensus on an economic incentive offer. Once we come to that, uh, decision, then basically we put that information into a proposal that spells out the performance requirements of the company that they need to accomplish and achieve that we can verify that they have achieved before they can earn an economic incentive. So it's kind of a based on a pay-as-you-go basis or 
the incentives are earned as the company achieves these various performance requirements. Once we agree on an um, economic incentive proposal that spells out what the company has to accomplish in order to earn the incentives, then uh, we hand that off to our legal counsel and they will draft a, uh, a legal contract uh, in the form of a performance agreement and the terms and conditions of the deal are taken out of the proposal and put into a legal contract in the performance agreement. Once we have the company sign off on the performance agreement, then we do put that on our agenda for our board of directors to approve. Uh, and in our case, uh, we, we average about uh, two, we average about two or three of those agreements a month, which means uh, in our deal flow, we're approving anywhere from 24 to, to 30 performance agreements per calendar year. Wow, okay. So just to talk about that a little bit further in the form of an example, um, we had a company in Frisco that was an existing company and wanting to uh, move out of leased office space into a new building was going to be a build-a-suit. And uh, the company was going to double their employment as well as more than double their space. So they moved uh, into a new uh, 200,000 square foot class A office building. We're going to um, increase their employment uh, to 1,050 jobs up from 250 jobs. Wow, quite so an experience. In the economic incentive model, we entered in information uh, about these jobs and their investment on this new building. And we came out with a proposal to offer $1,500 per job, which would be a maximum incentive of $1,575,000. That was going to be uh, the payout schedule that we entered uh, based on these jobs that were new jobs to be the net new jobs that were going to be created over uh, a uh, probably close to a 10-year um, period, uh, we came up with a six-year payout schedule for them to earn up to a maximum of $1,575,000. And uh, we were pleased with that calculation because basically uh, the payback period came out to 3.3 years. That's uh, three years and three months. And the rate of return on that was going to be 34%. So we put that deal together and took that to our board and it was approved uh, unanimously. And uh, that's a good example of how we can use this economic model to determine how long it's going to take for a project that we offer economic incentives to generate new revenue back to the, uh, to the city of Frisco. So in this case, uh, it was enhanced by the fact that they were building a new building, uh, 200,000 square feet, uh, with a parking garage, uh, I believe the parking garage had around 800 spaces in it. Uh, so that was an added economic benefit in the fact that we got the benefit of the construction jobs, the sales tax on the building materials for the project, as well as added new tax base on the city tax rolls. Great. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Oh, yeah, you're welcome. Um, how much research do you usually put into each project? Well, we try to put in quite a bit. Um, that, one, that particular example was fairly simplified because it was an existing company within our community that we worked with and known for many years. 
Uh, we had known for many months that they were uh, ramping up toward the, the fact they were going to need to be expanding. Um, so we do have a very, uh, very proactive business retention and expansion program here. And we have basically, you might say, one and a half persons on our staff are dedicated to just working with existing companies within our community. Uh, because certainly we want to do everything possible to help them grow and continue to do that within our community and uh, not have to leave for some other facility in some other city. So we, we do a lot of that, but I think the, um, you know, we're entrusted with these public funds uh, as, as we're funded by half cent sales tax. We make an effort uh, to approach these incentive deals and opportunities on a conservative basis. And in most cases, all of our incentives are paid on an earn-as-you-go basis. So we rarely ever offer any economic incentives up front. Okay. The danger in that is that you could offer an incentive and pay that incentive to a company uh, based on their plans and their commitment to do certain things. But unfortunately, things happen. And if, they, if for some reason the company does not meet all those requirements, then you may be in a position to have to go back and, uh, and recapture some of those incentives and ask for the company to to pay back some of the incentives they received, but uh, unfortunately maybe did not totally earn. Uh, so if you flip that around and uh, just offer the incentives as the company achieves the agreed upon performance requirements, then you don't have to impose a clawback provision because you never provide them more incentives than they've earned or qualified for. So we often get asked about what are the performance requirements. Um, and while they performance measures and requirements can can obviously change uh, from one project to the next based on the, the size and the scope of the project. Uh, but often uh, we use things such as uh, they may need to purchase a piece of property or they might purchase a building. So we're looking for them to pr produce documents that say they have closed on this real estate transaction. Uh, on our office deals, most of the time uh, we get it, we get confirmation and to verify that they have signed a lease uh, to occupy a certain amount of office space within our community. And then we're looking for that company to provide us a certificate of occupancy, which is an easy thing to get. Uh, we can verify from the city uh, that the company has been issued a certificate of occupancy. Along with that, we want to make sure the company's physically actually moved into the space. Uh, we have had an occasion where a company got a CO to move in, but then they never did. Oh, wow. Uh, so, so it's important to go by and make sure they have actually moved in. Uh, we also sometimes require them to document they've spent a certain amount of dollars in investing in the property, which uh, in an office arrangement would probably be interior finish out improvements. And we also have them some thresholds that they must achieve in business per personal property investment uh, in their uh, business personal property of the company. Uh, these are things that add to the tax base uh, and tax rev property tax revenues of the city. Uh, and we're also always looking at certain amount of some job creation or job retention requirements. And uh, these are jobs that are either uh, transferred and are created uh, in the company. These are typically going to be people that work at that facility and not people that are working for the company, but they may be, they may have an office or someplace that's out of our city or even out of our state. We, we generally do not count those uh, more remote jobs. Okay. Um... 
After an agreement is reached on an incentive, how long does it typically take a company to move to the community if it's a recruitment deal? You know, that's a good question, and it, it's hard to give you a real specific answer on that, but I would say it just highly depends on the project. In some cases, it happens rather quickly because it may be a company um, that comes in and leases existing space. They don't have to do too much in the way of um, modifications uh, to the space, so they, they could move in within um, you know, two or three months easily. It's just a matter of completing any modifications they have and getting their city inspections and getting a certificate of occupancy. However, on the other hand, you might have a company that comes in and uh, we approve an economic um, a performance agreement for, and it might involve them building a new building before they can move in and occupy the space. So uh, that could easily take a year and a half to two years, depending upon the size and complexity and scope of the project. Uh, so there's not just one real easy straight answer for that. It could be a very short period of time, or it could be up to as long maybe as a year and a half or two years. Okay. Um, and then how many retention and expansion projects do you work on compared to the amount of recruitment deals? In our market here, of course, we're still a very, uh, very young, um, early stage, fast growing city. So the majority of our deals are going to be uh, more on the attraction side. Um, but I would break it down by saying that about um, two-thirds of our projects that we end up uh, completing are going to be attraction projects, and that means about one-third are going to be related to some type of existing company, a retention, and or expansion project. Okay, great. Do you have a publicly available searchable GIS system? You know, we sure do. Um, on our on our Frisco EDC, EDC website, uh, we have a building and site search um, powered by Excelligent Incorporated. So clients, uh, brokers, consultants can log on to the Frisco EDC website and, and do a search. They can put in their parameters and search for um, basically raw land if they want to. Uh, they can surf, search for existing available office space, as well as retail space and even industrial space. I would also mention that in companion with that, we have a very uh, robust GIS interactive map system on our website as well that's uh, developed by and maintained by the uh, city uh, IT department. But this site provides a lot of additional information for example, if you wanted to look up a piece of property and find out the zoning on that piece of property, which might be commercial, might be retail, might be uh, office, or might be industrial. Uh, we also have the future land use map. There's a floodplain map, uh, topographical map. Uh, you can get hike and bike trail map. Uh, we have a complete thoroughfare plan, traffic counts. Uh, you can look up subdivisions and even current development happening in our city is available on the city GIS website. Oh, great. That's perfect. I know they always say that the start of the project is not when the companies talk to you. It's when they do their own research on your website. So, you know, that all that out there is so important because we do have a lot of people will come in and they'll basically the first time we talk to them, they'll sit down and say, well, we just want to let you know that we've shortlisted your community uh, for this project X and uh, they've already been doing a tremendous amount of research 
on the internet and the first time you talk to them you're already on the short list of maybe three or four communities right do you utilize a crm system to keep track of projects or retention visits yes we do um, and we use uh, salesforce uh, crm and that that particular um, software packages enables us to maintain all of our contacts and contact database information as well as we use it to uh, maintain and track all of our prospects and projects that we're working on. We're also able to use that to sort of maintain records on our communications with those clients and we can also go in and, and track client activity regarding various you know campaigns, advertising, marketing, campaigns that we work on. So we, we found it to be a good program and uh, we all use it in our office. Good. Well, and then the last question that I have um, in regards to working on projects. Um, you're a big organization and so how can we apply everything that we've just discussed to a smaller organization? Economic development is a, uh, is a competitive sport and it's, it's, that means it's a, a team it's a team uh, effort to be successful and every community can can be very proactive in their economic development efforts it doesn't always come down to uh, having a large bank account uh, you know to have a good effective economic development program uh, i think it does come down to uh, your community leadership and uh, if people are communicating and if they're working together and they have a common vision and goals that they're working together on uh, that that program can work and regardless in this of the size of the community or the size of the economic development corporation perfect well then just a few wrap-up questions do you have any advice for a young economic developer who is relatively early in his or her career that's really a big question, and I'm, I think there could be a very long answer to that, but maybe I could just offer one thing that I think has been so so key to our success uh, in Frisco, and uh, this is something that was actually part of, it was in, it was part of Frisco's culture when I arrived, and I'm proud to say it's still uh, here today, 20, 20 years later, and that is, in Frisco, we have uh, some it's just a part of the way we do business is part of our culture in working as partners and having partnerships, whether it be with the city of Frisco, the Chamber of Commerce, Frisco Independent School District, our Convention and Visitors Bureau, uh, our county uh, commissioners. Frisco has, has found a way to maintain those strong relationships and partnerships for a, you know, a long period of time. And as we talk to people, you would think that would be fairly, that would be a common thread, fairly familiar with most cities. But unfortunately, we find that that's not the case. Uh, and when different entities within the community are, are not working together, you know, kind of pulling the, pulling the same wagon in the same direction. And Frisco's leadership has been, uh, been dedicated to these public-private partnerships, and we have multiple examples of where we've been able to team up with developers and, and companies 
that have made some very significant game changer projects uh, happen in our community. And I do think that the, uh, the underlying backbone of those, of those things happening in our success has been the continued um, proactive partnerships in working together for the overall benefit of the city and not for one particular entity or one particular area of the city. Um, are there any economic development resources that you'd recommend to the audience? Well, I could only kind of uh, go back on uh, in my career. Um, starting out, uh, I think one of the first things that I did was take the basic economic development course, and that's available uh, in Texas and throughout the United States. Uh, you can sign up for those and attend those. I think it's a four or five day course. That's a great place to get the basics uh, 101 on economic development. Uh, highly recommend those. And um, I, get, I get the opportunity once in a while to speak at those. And it's always great to meet people that are, you know, just getting started in the um, economic development industry. Beyond that, uh, I would step up and go to the Economic Development Institute. Again, those are held, uh, I think, in this area probably would be Oklahoma at the University of Oklahoma, and they're held other places throughout the United States. Uh, that's a more intense, uh, more extended program, but it's one that I think has extremely um, good curriculum and value for people that want to, uh, you know, just sort of enhance and further their career in economic development because it goes way beyond the basics. Um, and I would say then beyond that, uh, in my own career, I basically uh, ended up taking the courses to achieve a certified commercial investment member, which is CCIM. Uh, if you're interested in getting uh, something that you might could call a master's degree in real estate finance, then the CCIM program is what you want to do. And uh, it gives you tremendous depth in uh, real estate structuring, deal financing, deal evaluation, um, that I have found very valuable in my work here at the Frisco EDC. And those things can give someone some incredible, uh, you know, resources and information and education to utilize in their career. Perfect. That's very, very helpful. Well, I have one last question for you. It's a hard one. What is your favorite hobby? <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, um, I don't know that I have just one. Okay. But um, I may. I guess I could shorten it down to a couple. And I I really enjoy uh, doing some fishing and hunting, uh, particularly when I can do that with my family. My wife and our uh, my son get to go together and spend some good family time together. And you know it's sometimes good to get out there and where it's nice and quiet and you don't have to answer the phone or talk to anybody or have a meeting with someone and. You just get out and then enjoy some downtime to relax. All right, definitely. That sounds so nice. Great. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us, Jim. Um, we really at Impact Data Source really appreciate you taking the time to share with us. And I know our audience very has found this very, very informative. And hopefully people will, will learn a lot from you. So thank you. Oh, Nicole, you're very welcome. We appreciate you very much and the opportunity to visit with you about um, these aspects of economic development and something we have great passion for and uh, fortunately have been able to do it for basically the last 40 years and 
the support and efforts we get from Impact Data Source and utilizing your economic impact analysis software program has been instrumental in our program. Uh, I think we've used it for 20 years since I've been in Frisco and uh, it keeps getting better all the time. So we appreciate you very much. Thank you everything for you guys, what you do for us. Of course. And we're always here to help out. Thanks again to Jim and catch us next month where we interview Steve Jenkins, president of the Fond du Lac County Economic Development Corporation in Wisconsin. Economic Development Secrets is brought to you by Impact Dashboard, the only impact software built for economic developers.